Today in the Attorney Career Advice Podcast with Harrison Barnes. And when it makes them feel depressed, something um, that they think makes them look successful for them a long time. And it doesn't work. It, it, it can kill you. Playing the game to succeed and how they went crazy doing it. And so the psychology of the people you're around are going to, is going to be, make you try to do the best at everything you are. And the nice thing is when you get that exposure when you're young, a lot of you go to college and you probably try very hard there. And a lot of people stop trying, so you do well. And But the idea that you get when you start achieving a lot, when you are getting positive feedback from schools and grades and everything is then that you start realizing that's a big positive feedback. That's where everything, where you're going to get your self-esteem from. So think about how proud people are when they get into law school, how proud they are when they do well in college. All these things are things that kind of drive your self-esteem. But if you work in a lot of large law firms or very competitive law firms that are small or mid-sized firms, you're going in an entirely different level because now you're competing with people that probably did pretty well in college that that invested a lot of money in, in law school that probably tried the best they could. And if you get into a large law firm, you're taking that to the the absolute highest level of, of competing at a different level. There's this thing called the Peter Principle, and which is funny that people can, and I think it's called the Peter Principle, but it may be something else, but people will rise to the often be promoted beyond other capabilities and fail. Um, they, they, people have said that about our current vice president. They said that about Jimmy Carter, but they, they say it to about politicians and things all the time. And it also happens with law firms and your sense of ego um, will often determine who you become. So this particular sense is you, many people that are lawyers don't always get it from their parents because they parents were building them up. They may not get it from other people and things. I don't know. Um, a lot of attorneys that I know will say, have a story that, oh, I was a bad student and then I turned everything around. And and then that suddenly is like this huge thing that happens to them where they're suddenly they're getting better self-esteem when you're in school. That's the most important thing, I think, for a lot of people. And um, so then people start trying to build their success with money and other types of things. And and that never works, by the way. If, if your self-identity is based on, and your happiness is based on things you can't control all the time, which is it's very hard to control your outcome in, in some firms. It's very hard to control that the firm's going to always have work for you. It's very hard to control that when you apply to different firms in different markets that you're going to have success because of different hiring standards or who knows, or, or just that they even have the work at that point in time. Uh, like right now, for example, corporate is really bad. Corporate attorneys are having a horrible time. It's not pleasant. And, and so imagine if you were working a couple of years ago as a corporate attorney and recruiters were knocking down your door, firms were knocking down your door, everybody wanted you, and now it's gone. Wow. It's not because of anything you did, it's just because of the economy. People to cope with it, not probably even half of corporate attorneys, but a lot of attorneys and you know, that doesn't work, especially when they get into law firms, they need to do other things to fix what's happening on the inside. And, and it makes them feel depressed alone and um, very frustrated. And you may feel that way right now. I don't know. But it's because of your self-identity being connected to something that you can't always control or that is another thing, a way of putting it is actually out of control, meaning 
you know, that, so it makes you feel depressed and frustrated. So you have to understand whether or not your ego's in check. And then, and if you, if it's not, your ego's affecting how you feel, you have to understand how you can fix it. And so this particular guy, like I said, was damaged. One day when I was art class, I was not good friends with him, but we're hanging out. He came to this art class I was in, it looked like he was skipping class. He walked over the door to see what I wanted. And he said, it was something that wasn't really known at all at that time in my particular school. But he said, I've got some coke. And, and he was from Florida, which he was having problems. And I gave him a, um, a strange look. I was a young kid. The worst I'd heard of was a lot of people obviously smoked pot and drank and stuff. But I'd just never been exposed to that kind of stuff. And I uh, turned around. And I wasn't a goodie by any stretch of the imagination. As a matter of fact, I would say I was a troublemaker to some extent. And definitely drink beer and stuff almost every weekend. But uh, this seemed a little bit extreme. And and that's just the kind of thing that people get expelled for. People usually get expelled for cop, but that would be something. This particular guy was very happy, but I realized a loner trying to hook up with as many girls as possible, which I guess is not um, necessarily um, unusual for for guys, for all guys. <laughs> but But... To the extent I was associated with him, this is just, he would talk about his different exploits and I knew they were true. And, and he ended up working in a lot of large law firms. And, and then by his 20th high school union was going around telling everyone he started some huge internet company that had made hundreds of millions of dollars. And none of this was true. And I didn't understand this because I placed him. So it was just complete, completely made up. And but I haven't been at that reunion, but we told a lot of people about it. And, and obviously I'm concerned about the way someone saw him, wanted to look good on the outside and to show others that he was successful. So this is a game that people play. I'm not saying all lawyers are like this because they're not. And as a matter of fact, I think a lot of lawyers, of course, are very happy. But from a young age, this particular guy was very concerned about how he looked to others and and. What also happens to people, some people, not people, is you try to you meet people and you try to tell them and they try to tell you how happy they are, how successful they are. And, and the people that often do that are more likely than not to feel the opposite of that inside. I know I meet people all the time that went to great colleges and whatever, and they tell me about it within the first three minutes. I don't know how that's relevant when you're my age, but and they are too, but this is often... Uh, people that didn't achieve what they thought to. So they run back to something um, that they think makes them look successful from a long time ago. And um, your value should really come, uh, and, and this is the problem. And I'm not saying um, that, uh, that I'm perfect and I don't struggle with this because I think a lot of people do, but your value should be internal and not based on how you look to others. And the people that are internally successful really get a sense of themselves that comes from the inside and not the outside, meaning they, they believe in themselves and they're able to push forward. And if you look at a lot of politicians, which is, and, and business people, look at what it would be like to be someone like Musk or Zuckerberg or important politicians and all the negative feedback they get. If they, if they didn't have something on the inside that made them pick themselves up again and again, that made them believe in themselves and think highly of themselves, regardless of what happened, none of this would be happening. They would, they would figure out how to fix it. And again, so if you start trying to overly emphasize how you feel about things externally, 
and how you look to others, you're never going to be happy. And I'm sorry to say that, but it's true. Being a lawyer in a law firm does exactly that. It makes them believe that you need to be something on the outside to look and be successful. And when you're an attorney, and especially in the most competitive firms, which again, do not have to be large law firms, they're often under a microscope where people are always waiting for you to make a mistake or miss a deadline or make a typo or upset a client or say something inappropriate to you and more. I remember when I got in the the first law firm I was in, one guy took a, a call from a reporter and that ended his career, at least in law firms, because he was fired after two or three months and said all this stuff to the law firm that had the reporter that ended up in the local legal newspaper. People just people that are been fired and their careers ruined because they forgot to do something, put a verification on a, a discovery request or something. So much stuff can happen and small mistakes can have fatal repercussions to your career. So why wouldn't anybody be paranoid? I knew a guy that was fired. If you read this, he was like weeks or not even weeks, like a couple of weeks from being made a partner at a major like Law. 50 law firm with you know, offices around the country. And, and I think he, he moved there from a firm that wasn't as prestigious. And, and then he was asked if he had sent some letter to the client the, the day before. And he said he had, and then the partner didn't trust him and logged into his email or the company system to see if the document, what the document looked like. And he realized that it hadn't been sent. Bam, just fired and then and then pretty much blackballed and the entire legal market in Los Angeles because it, the firm was very eager to tell everyone that he was dishonest and and I, I think he moved home and which and and started doing contract work or something. It's just wow. Again, you may make have made um, major mistakes in your legal career, and it's important to understand what happened because many people on the outside, um, how others think they look on the outside, and um, they don't confront their feelings. And sometimes you believe that you can only love yourself if you're loved and you look a certain way to others. When you think about it, the legal profession isn't perfect, but it's often bred on all these externalities, like where you went to law school. People remember that. They talk about it. They, they, it's a big deal to them throughout their entire careers. The good law schools are that. The, the poor law schools are that. The medium law schools are that. Your law school performance, people talk. I met a woman that was working for me as an attorney. She was in her mid-70s, and everyone she talked to, she talked about how she'd gone to University of Texas. It was a good law school. But is that appropriate to do 50 years after you've been in law school? I guess it is if your self-esteem is based on that. People also do order their law school honors. They list order the coif and things on their profiles. They Their self-esteem is based on the firm they're working in or the firm they worked in. Uh, I've met people that have worked at these incredible law firms, even as paralegals like Skadden and things like that. And they talk about it their entire careers, even though they might've worked as paralegals in 10 other firms after that. So their self-esteem is based on that, the firms, your clerkship. Do you wanna grow your legal career? A lateral move might be the right choice to get you on track for your career goals. Working with a legal placement firm like BCG Attorney Search can open doors for you and help you live the life you dream of. If you're looking for a new legal job, Send us your resume so we can help. Visit www.bcgsearch.com 
and click on Submit Resume to be paired with one of our legal placement professionals who will work tirelessly on your behalf to get you your dream legal job. Submit your resume to www.bcgsearch.com to get started today. I've met people that were clerks for judges in various cities and then for years are still going to reunions and meetings of everyone that was a former clerk of every judge in that city. Wow. Or like every federal district judge. I don't know. I guess it's a good networking opportunity, but um, people also are very concerned with their bonus. So when people don't get good bonuses at their firms, they they become very upset. They they're they're very damaged by it. That's another thing. Then you have your law firm title, the clients you have, your billing rate in the law firm. People think about that, the, how much you're making compared to your peers in the firm, how much the law firm's telling you they gave you a higher bonus than others or your higher your class year, all this stuff, where you live and people like that. But then the big one about attorneys is they, with each other, is they're they're always talking about the neighborhood they live in. I don't know why that is, but but that's important to them that they live in the right neighborhood of, the, of a city. Um, they then they start talking about um, if they belong to them different clubs and get a tremendous sense of uh, importance out of belonging to certain places. They often will be very excited about when they buy a new at least a new car and talk about that. Their children's achievements, their basic social standing, their children's school, the vacations they take, that's another one people look forward to and talk about all year. Then when they get very successful, they start talking about their charitable giving. They're concerned about the size of their bank accounts, their firm's performance financially, and their allies and other people working for them, their friends, their, their work friends. And it just never ends. You could list a thousand different things. And, um, and and you would not come up short. But all of these things that I'm talking about, that some, not all, one, maybe, but are probably important to you too. They're not internal, meaning your self-esteem is not coming from who you are. Your self-esteem is not coming from any of that. It has nothing to do with your happiness. And, and ultimately, when you buy a car, you may feel good driving out of the dealership and for a day or two, but that's it. And then you may you'll just take it for granted. They'll provide us short-term happiness and make you feel better about yourselves or more likable than others, but uh, are more likely to make you feel better about yourselves. But if you're working all the time and just cranking out all these hours and getting all this negative feedback, then you know what you have to show for it is really you know, what there is. And that's your work, externalities, because if you don't feel good about yourself on the inside, then you use external things to feel better about yourself, which everyone does to some extent, some people more than others. And even our spouses will often do that. They'll feel important because they're, they're significant others, a, or a husband or wife is a important attorney. It's just, they go to good schools or they they have the nice house or in the right neighborhood. They, people just do this. They define themselves based on these things, then who your friends are, who their friends are. So you have to ask yourself, how much does external things matter to you? And in capitalism, which obviously not everybody likes, they have turned to communism in lots of places because of the distrust and hating of ca- capitalism. There's obviously in the United States, if you just look at what's going on with different political parties and there's a move towards socialism and, and that style of thinking that, you know, and, and it's becoming more and more popular because under capitalism, you have the haves and the have nots and 
what everyone tries to do that's a socialist or not all of them, but will try to make it so everybody has an equal income. So the highest income people are taxed very highly. So the people that live in the biggest houses that are most expensive are taxed. If in LA, there's this new rule that if you have a house over $5 million and you sell it, that you have to give the government, meaning LA city, $250,000 to support the poor. I know the a homeless meaning homeless people should, regardless of how much you bought the house for, or, or regardless of how much you owe on it. So you might owe $5 million on a house that you have to sell for $5 million who have lost value, you're still going to have to pay 250000 And then of course, if it's, or maybe it's 225000 it's a 4% or 4.5%. And then if the house is over $10 million, then you have to pay, it would be 500000 because the tax goes higher. So the idea is that the capitalism and so forth is something that a lot of people don't like, but you buy into that to a great extent when you work in large law firms, because the reward for what you do is money. And then, and then attorneys will then buy into the idea that you know the sacrifice of their time and working hard will give them the money, and with this money, they're going to be happier. And there is a actually a there's a level of income that where people actually are happier. There's been studies you could look them up, and I don't know what it is. It's if you know if they make around over a certain amount, they're happier. It's not a huge amount of money. It's something that most attorneys make, but it doesn't always apply for every profession. I've seen attorneys spend get up at four in the morning to five in the morning to take a bus from a neighborhood. It's just because they want to live a certain place. And so the attorneys will often sit on a train for a few hours each day. They'll go back and forth to a desk and they'll sit under fluorescent lights and bill hours, be criticized. So you're working with people that might be out to get you and often work alone and rarely feel any sense of true accomplishment or connection at the largest and most successful firms. This is how it works. And it's so stuff about emphasizing how you look on the outside, not how you feel on the inside. Numb is a big deal. And attorneys often um, do not feel good on the inside. They continually go after these externalities and define themselves by that. And it doesn't work. It's, it, it can kill you um, or make you very unhappy or drive you to um, numb that with substances and pills. And when someone is in a, a relationship and they're unhappy, they may cheat. There's just all sorts of things that happen. In my experience, a lot of the best attorneys in large law firms in the largest cities get divorced. I don't know what the percentage of people in the country gets divorced, but I'm sure it's much higher. And on all these behaviors and foods, sex and so forth will often mask um, how you feel because if you feel good on the inside, you don't need to do this stuff that's harming you. You just, you would be centered. So a lot of law firm attorneys do dream of different lives or going in house to escape this sort of stuff and, and, and judge themselves poorly in their value of the world. And obviously going in house is another way to, to try to fix it or going to another practice setting. But often you still have that drive within you to do everything a certain way. So that hurts you. And again, part of the training of an attorney is to to constantly question everything, to find small errors, to, 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 to come up with arguments about why things are bad. And just imagine doing that with, a, with your spouse or yourself, which is what they do. So if you are constantly critical of yourself and others, what does that do to you? And it creates a mindset that's not very pleasant. It's not the kind of mindset that doctors have. It's not the kind of mindset that, that most people have, but you're actually going to law school to learn this. And then when you go into the best law firms, it's even more emphasized because your billing rates are higher and you're competing with more. All this stuff is hard. And the best attorneys, I'm sorry, but what makes a good attorney 
is your ability to find the very smallest errors and being hypervigilant about exposing every one of those errors and, and weaknesses, no matter how carefully hidden they are. And all day, every day, attorneys are examining their work product and the work product of other attorneys, and they're finding small errors in that work. And 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 that is how it works. They're finding they're finding errors in the opposing side's work. They're finding errors in other people's contracts, other people's litigation papers, other all this stuff is what they're doing. And and if these errors are their errors, then the attorney is immediately going to fix them or risk being called out by their superiors or the other side or a judge. That's what judges do. They point out and they rule on who's got the better stuff with the fewer errors. Again, you're constantly thinking and I'm not everyone's doing this, but it's because of this. You're constantly thinking about all of your weaknesses and you're constantly aware of all of your errors. You're like a well-polished brief. Attorneys understand how they look on the outside as well and do what they can to look perfect. And come on, this is what it is. And and as you get more senior, you're expected more and more to make fewer and fewer errors. And, to, and then you're judged on that if you're promoting your law firm. Does looking for weakness? I don't know. Um, but um, I, I think it um, causes stress. Um, and one of the most successful attorneys I know was very happy now, was became a partner in a major law firm and Quinn Emanuel, where at some point, I don't know if they still do it, but years ago, they were paying anyone that was a partner pretty much over $3 million a year. So he did very well and made partner when he was very young. But he retired when he was in his mid-40s. And he was my and maybe, yeah, mid-40s. And he was my mentor. Um, and he had a view um, of himself and the profession that I think was unusual. Um, he wasn't a mentor in the sense that he was telling me what I needed to do and stuff, but he was a mentor in the sense that he knew all the information of the firm. He was careful about what he said. He was very well politically and people liked him. And But he'd grown up in a good family and, and didn't come from a family of lawyers. And and I think he, he saw people that were competing with one another, saw people that were building the most hours, saw people playing the game to succeed and how they went crazy doing it. And then he did something that in retrospect was very easy to do to get through all this. But um, it, now that I think about it, it was very immature. He just didn't compete. Think about that. He didn't compete. He realized that he needed to build a certain number of hours. He made sure he did. And then what he really concentrated on was being likable, having good relationships with others in the law firm. And he tried to enjoy the people that he was working with. He became partners, friends with partners as an associate. He did things like hiking with them alone on trips and things that were very powerful. He made friends with all the younger attorneys. They liked him. And he was able to find happiness in an environment where other people were simply going crazy and off the rails. He even found time to exercise several times a week. He just competed and succeeded without actually competing. He'd go and I guess he liked to swim every day. So he joined this kind of swim club that was downtown in Los Angeles and go swim laps and make sure he kept himself up. And I think he realized how crazy what was going around him was and he just didn't compete. He also didn't try to hurt others. That's very interesting. Like his Psychology made him such that he emphasized connecting with others and not tearing them down. And you know, that's very interesting. And again, I think that his response was probably one of the most mature responses I've ever encountered. He didn't allow himself to be sucked in. Now, what is it important to understand about this particular guy? It's just a couple of things that I think are useful to know. He was from a very nice family. He talked to his parents every week. He went to visit them a lot. He he, he had been raised by people that loved him a lot. And 
And so I don't know. I'm not saying that he has the the had the best way to to navigate all this psychologically, but I believe that the most mature way means you have a, a realization that if you play the game the way it's being played, it's not it, it's not going to make you feel good or ultimately be successful. This is how it is, and this is what I think, and and I hope this has been helpful for you. That's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you are an attorney looking for a change, head on to bcgsearch.com.